0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to yet another bonus episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, where I am answering a listener's question about how to best manage and handle and navigate the countless eco-contradictions that we face every single day. So this question comes from Heather. Heather wrote me an email. I'm going to go ahead and read her email, but please note I did edit it slightly for brevity and clarity. So here's the email. Hi Stephanie, one topic I would like covered is all of the ways that trying to live a low-impact lifestyle can actually contradict each other. Here are three examples. Example one, buying mostly used clothing means a lot of polyester, which can lead to microplastics in our waterways. But on the other hand, buying purely eco-friendly clothing would mean buying new, which doesn't feel sustainable since there are so many clothing items already in existence. Example number two, eating plant-based actually leads to more plastic sometimes because many of the items you need, like vegan butter and nut milks, come packaged in plastic. And example number three, supporting small businesses leads to more plastic consumption overall. Is it worth it to buy completely sustainable package-free products online at a zero-waste store when you could be supporting a small or local business? Thank you for any help you can offer. Heather All right, Heather, I'm going to answer your three specific questions, but I'm more importantly hoping to leave you with some tried and true tricks that I use in my own life as I navigate these specific eco-contradictions that you mentioned and more. So it is a minefield out there, right? We've all been there. We want to do better, but the numerous contradictions make definitive right versus definitive wrong clarity impossible. I do applaud you, though, Heather, and I must say that I applaud you because you're taking your social responsibility seriously, and that's step one. 95%, and that's a non-scientific number, but I'm going to go with it, 95% of people don't even consider these contradictions as they're going about their days. So my first piece of advice to you, Heather, specifically, and perhaps all of us, is to let go of that black versus white, which is right, which is wrong thinking. And I hear that in your email and I say let go of it with love (laughs) because I'm also a black and white thinker. There's the right choice and there's the wrong choice. But I think when it comes to eco-friendliness in 2021, we need to think about eco-friendliness less as a right, wrong, yes, no, black, white type of way, we instead need to think of eco-friendliness as living on a spectrum. So that's my step one. I have two more specific tips for you, Heather, and let's just waste no time. Let's just get right into them. So my first tip for you, Heather, and any listener listening who feels this pull between, well, which is better? (laughs) Which path should I take? My first tip is to identify your heart-first values and allow those values to guide you. So what on earth do I mean by that? I mean that there are countless issues to get fired up about, right? There's the plastic problem that Heather so aptly mentioned many times in her email. There's animal rights. There's LGBTQ plus rights. There's global warming. There's homelessness. There's deforestation. There's racial inequality. Those are just a few of the issues that come to my mind right now. And all these issues desperately need activists. But there are plenty of other issues, too. If I were to sit down, I could make a laundry list. I believe that one single person cannot do right by all of the issues. And so I do believe that it's on each and every one of us to choose the issues closest to our hearts and do our best to fight for those issues. If we each fight for the causes that matter the most to us, all the causes will get the support they deserve from the warriors who are most passionate about fighting for them. So Heather, in your email, I got the impression that the issues closest to your heart, because you mentioned them a few times, are one, reducing plastic pollution, and two, curbing global warming, perhaps. If I'm correct, then I suggest that you hold on to these values as your guiding principles and remember them every time you face a confusing choice. I should say that Vicki Robin, in her book, Your Money or Your Life, it's a great book, I'll put it in the show notes, but Vicki Robin wrote that essentially, your money is your expression of your life force. And I'd agree with this. Along with how you vote in elections, your financial choices are how you best display your values. So if you want to see more of something in the world Using your wallet to support what you want to see more of is a powerful way of doing just that. If you want to see less of something in the world, actively choosing to not buy it or not purchase it or not financially support it is a great way to exude that value into the world. All right, so back to you, Heather. Assuming your heart-centered value is reducing plastic pollution, I would not necessarily agree with your either-or contradiction that you wrote in your email with regard to clothes. If you were to buy secondhand clothes, as you mentioned, you would be acting in a heart-centered way because you'd be using your wallet to prevent the creation of new polyester fast fashion. But similarly, if you purchased the new linen or the new organic cotton or the new tensile item, you'd still be living by your personal values. Neither choice here is 100% perfect, but both choices are in alignment with your values. And I should say here, too, that if we were to truly determine which option was better, either the buying of the microplastic secondhand clothes or purchasing the new but eco-friendly fiber clothes, we would need to know so much information that we don't have available to us. We would need to know the exact origin and fiber makeup of the secondhand item in question. We would need to know where the proposed eco-friendly new clothing item is shipping from, as well as whether the company packages in plastic bags before shipment. We would need to know so many things that uh, we just simply do not have access to. There are too many variables to aptly determine which choice is better. So I suggest instead of going down that rabbit hole into that minefield in which your head may or may not explode... (laughs) I instead suggest that you lead with your heart-centered values because when you do that you can't go wrong. My second tip for you Heather is to rank order the possible choices at your disposal. So I do this every day multiple times a day. And what I do is I loosely and I mean very loosely like in 3 minutes or less rank order your list of potential actions whenever an eco-contradiction hits you. Doing so, rank ordering, is a powerful way to make manifest a solution that you personally can live with. When you start ranking your options, you may likely need a pen and paper, because this is a new habit that you're forming. Uh, But the good news is that after you get in the habit of pausing, Thinking about all the potential actions at your disposal and choosing the ones that are high up on the list, it becomes second nature and you're not going to need that pen and paper anymore. Okay, so back to your example, Heather, your package free animal products or plant based food products wrapped in packaging. I view your potential options as the following. And I have rated them from one being the worst option from an eco friendliness standpoint, all the way down to five, which would, of course, be the best choice. So one, the worst choice you could make, in my opinion, is to eat the packaged animal products. Like an example here would be beef jerky in a plastic pouch or ground turkey on a styrofoam tray. That would be the worst option, in my opinion. Option number two, slightly better, but still not great. Eat packaged free animal products. So that would be beef jerky from a bulk bin. It's still an animal product, but there's no packaging. Slightly better than that would be option number three, which is eat packaged plant products. Think dried mango slices in a plastic bag. Option number four, now we're getting pretty good. Option number four, pretty good, is eat package-free plant products. So Think grains from a bulk bin, corn kernels from the bulk bin, fresh fruits and vegetables. And option number five, which, of course, would be the perfect, best answer to your eco-contradiction, is to eat packaged-free plant products when possible. That's option number four. But also make what is traditionally packaged at home. So this goes back to your nut milk. You said you're just not the type of person that's going to make nut milk. And I hear that. But that would be the best option, right? Right. So I know that some of you listening right now are like, what is she talking about? Why is Stephanie rank ordering in this order? Well, I'm ranking them in this order because I'm guessing that Heather's heart first values are reducing plastic pollution and reversing the effects of global warming. The meat and dairy industries are so detrimental to the planet and contribute so greatly to global warming that I have chosen to rank them in this way. If you were to rank them, listeners, according to your heart-first values, you may be ranking them differently. The ethical meat eaters may rank differently than the diehard vegans, and that's okay because don't forget, we are each letting our heart-centered values guide our rank ordering. So I'm using this scale to make clear the point that in this case, Heather, you have five choices. Choice five is best. But if it's not available to you, if it's not accessible from you, if it's going to take you away from living your best life, making nut milk is not a quick and easy process. It's okay then for you to choose choice four on your list, or even sometimes choose choice three, or maybe even once in a great while you choose choice two. In every choice we make, there are pros and cons, and our task as socially responsible and ego-conscious citizens is to do the best we can knowing that every choice we make is going to be imperfect. Choosing choice three or four on this list most of the time may be the best you can do. And if that sounds right to you, feel good about choosing it. Next time you find yourself rank ordering a potential choice, perhaps you find yourself willing and able to choose the best option. Choice five, making the nut milk. If so, do it. Go for it and smile about it and be proud of yourself. Do the best you can when you can with what you have. That's the bottom line. Nobody expects perfection. Now, I have a bonus tip for you here, and so I'm just going to mention it really quickly because I think it aptly answers your third eco-contradiction, which had to do with support the small local business or support the zero-waste online store. Tanya Hester, in her new book, Wallet Activism, writes that in general, it's smart practice to be skeptical of anything that's sold by a gigantic corporation. So I suggest supporting companies that invest in the community, that are transparent about their environmental impact, that are mission-driven, that care about something other than their profits. Your question about whether to buy an item online at a zero-waste store or support your local mom-and-pop shop is a tough one, And tips one and two that I just offered you may yield different solutions for different people, but I would again argue here, Heather, that both choices are solid choices. What would not be a solid choice is heading to Walmart or Amazon and buying a package-heavy product from a corporation with questionable business practices. But either supporting the mom and pop shop, which would then mean less emissions from transit, or supporting your favorite online zero-waste store, which would mean supporting more of what you want to see in this world, both of those options are solid options. Again, both of which, there's no clear winner. My bottom line for you, Heather, and for everybody listening, is that you have one job, and that's to do the best you can with the knowledge you have. If down the line you learn something new, it's on you to do better. That's it but just do the best you can with what you have that's not going to upend your life. Steer the course. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you do this every single time you face an eco-contradiction, you are going to do just freaking fine. Listeners, I hope I gave you some solid tips and tricks as you are facing your next eco-contradiction, which if I'm willing to guess is five minutes from now. (laughs) If you were just tuning into these bonus episodes, I should first say these are not bonus episodes anymore. Exciting news, we are now a a two-episode-a-week podcast. On Tuesdays comes out the regularly scheduled, more formal interview. On Thursdays, I am answering listener questions and this just me talking to you, short and sweet, easy breezy. I do my best to answer your questions. So if you have a question, Call me, leave me a voicemail. The number and the way to do that is in this week's show notes. If you don't want your voice on air or if you live far away, a couple Australian listeners told me they can't leave a voicemail because they live too far away. I'll also put my email in the show notes. You can get in touch with me that old-fashioned way, and I will just read your email on air. So what do you think? Did I get this episode right? If so, let me know. If you think I got it woefully wrong and you oh my gosh, need to put me in my place, let me know that as well. You can reach out to me via my email, which is in this week's show notes, or you can leave me a voicemail. I will see you on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. See you then. Take care.